This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at HM.com. Empowered and Unapologetic is part of the Practice of the Practice Podcast Network, a family of podcasts that change the world. To hear other podcasts like the Bomb Mom Podcast, Beta Male Revolution, or imperfect thriving go to practice of the practice.com forward slash network have you ever thought how did i manage to lose myself being a mom is so hard especially when we're feeling stressed and disconnected We exhaust ourselves trying to create this perfect life for our family. You deserve to enjoy your marriage and your kids without the stress perfectionism brings. I am going to teach you how to identify who you are outside of all of the roles you play. Hi, I'm Veronica Cisneros. I'm a wife, mother of three, and a licensed marriage and family therapist. I am on a mission to teach women just like you how to become empowered and unapologetic. Welcome to our girl gang. Hey ladies, welcome to Empowered and Unapologetic. I'm your host, Veronica Cisneros. Today's guest is a licensed marriage and family therapist and has worked in the field of psychotherapy for 28 years. She is the manager and director of the Loma Linda University Behavioral Medicine Center in Murrieta, California, and also has her own private practice in Murrieta. She specializes in working with adults, couples, adolescents, and has expertise in the fields of addictions, self-injurious behavior, couples, family work, and grief. So please help me by welcoming Marsha Matthews. Hey, Marsha. Hi, Veronica. It's so good to hear you and hear your voice. Isn't this, <laughs> isn't this crazy? Yes. <laughs> Doing it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Marsha and I worked together at the BMC, and I have to say, she was so easy to talk to. I have such a high level of respect for you, not because you were my former boss, but because you take a great deal of pride in what you do, and I absolutely admire that. Oh, thank you, Veronica. And I likewise admire you. And in fact, you are there for um, regarding this topic. You were there for during a time of, of serious grief and loss that I was experiencing due to the death of a loved one. But I've always appreciated you. And I think we have a great relationship. Absolutely. So in today's episode, I would love for you to educate us on grief and loss How do we help those in need, especially right now that we're all in quarantine? And so I'd like to first start off with, like, can you tell us about yourself? Can you tell us your story and how you became an expert? Well, um, often we become experts when we have our own life experiences, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my personal losses include, and and this is just with deaths, um, death of my husband and father to my daughter. That was about of uh, 30 years ago. Um, he was a doctor. He died of an overdose. I, uh, more recently, about eight years ago, death of a partner of a life partner to cancer, death of my mm-hmm. parents. That was about 15 years ago. Last month, my sister died. She was residing with me. She died of cancer. And these deaths were all different in some ways and very similar in other ways. Um, overall, each experience brought those overwhelming feelings of sadness And sort of this existential awareness of death and the fact that we all have an expiration date. We don't live forever. Um, And and also it's like there's this contradictory awareness of life coming to an end. um, And and also at the same time, the need to embrace life, you know, as it is present. You know, we talk about those dialectics and that's somewhat of a dialectic that we, you know, on one hand, it's there's the sadness of the loss. And on the other hand, there is also. Um, you know, the embracing of life. And so um, uh, also, I think, you know, if you want to include all my other losses, I mean, there's a lot of relationship endings that I've experienced. And all of those things are um, a part of loss. I'm so glad you mentioned that, because I think, I think the lines get blurred a bit, you know, when dealing with grief and loss. We are also, you know, going to discuss the loss of relationships and what that's like. And it's not necessarily, you know, you don't necessarily just experience grief from death. It's also from the loss of a very, very significant individual that was in your life for, you know, a good amount of time. So I'm glad you said that. Right. And I think, you know, I think grief overall is very misunderstood. Um, It's often very neglected as well, especially in our culture in the United States. Um, I think I know that from very early on, what I learned is how to acquire things. And in people, everybody in our culture gets awarded and acknowledged for doing a good job, buying that new mm-hmm. home, getting the raise, getting the nice car. And and that's applauded in our culture. And yet when we experience a loss, we're often really unprepared with how to deal with it and often have a lot of conflicting feelings. Um, yeah. Like in the breakup of a relationship, you might feel relieved in some ways and at the same time, very saddened in walking through the stages of grief at the same time. So, um, you know, those those feelings of deep sadness and at the same time feeling a contradictory emotional experience um, uh, can happen a lot in grief. And that's, you know, something that I think not all of us are really prepared for. Um, there's all sorts of grief and loss 
that can happen. There's, you know, the, not only the breakup of relationships, but loss of jobs. And I think, you know, you'd mentioned earlier the current situation that we're in with the pandemic. Yeah, there's significant loss happening right now throughout the globe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's currently loss of loved ones to death from the virus, loss of jobs, loss of income, overall loss of the world as we know it, which is a really, really heavy um, experience for a lot of people. And, and this is also coupled with the uncertainty of the future, inability to control the outcome, um, which just adds, I think, to that feeling of loss. Um, you know, those people in the front lines uh, in the healthcare industry, and I work in a hospital, they're watching patients die in front of them. And mm-hmm. they're also dealing with the loss of normalcy. And I think that's something that we're all dealing with currently, the loss of normalcy, the loss of routine life. And, um, and, and you know, it's just something that I think everybody throughout the world is experiencing. There's almost a sense that the world is crying right now. Um, Beautifully said. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that you said that. Um, we're experiencing loss at a heightened level. And, you know, we all know somebody that either currently has it or may have recently died from it. You know, I just received news that one of our really good friends that, you know, when we lived in New York, they they took us on as you know they took us in his family and you know he has just lost his mother due to the virus and i have a couple of my clients who are currently struggling with you know not being able to attend to their family members needs because they're quarantined you know i have friends same thing so it's it's all of us experiencing this at this time and so one question I wanted to ask is like, how do we refrain from losing ourselves when our partner or friend is ill? And how common is this? Because I don't, I don't think people are aware of how common, you know, we lose ourselves in trying to go ahead and meet the needs of others. Absolutely. You know, I, I so agree with that. And, and there is a, you know, a part of the normal grief process is walking through some of the stages like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has the five stages of grief, which are, you know, initially shock and disbelief where, you know, you're almost numb to the experience. And then, um, and then anger and, you know, feeling angry that this person has left or that they died. And, um, and then the bargaining where you, you know, you um, say, well, if I would have just done this, maybe this person wouldn't have died. Or if I would have made that phone call, maybe they wouldn't have taken their life. Or, you know, you think of all these reasons, or even in, in the matter of, relationship breakups, you know, it's like, um, if I just would have said this, done this differently, then maybe the relationship wouldn't have ended. Um, and, um, and then the depression, the real deep sadness that we experience and eventually getting to a place of acceptance and the, the stages don't go in that, but, but in this process, we are somewhat lost in the process. We're experiencing all these different emotions. Um, and, and everybody's process is a little bit different. And so, you know, the idea of getting lost in the grief process means to me partly that we will be somewhat lost, you know, part of our reality will be gone for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but, it, and it's also important at the same time um, to not try to avoid the pain by staying away from relationships that can hurt me now or, or to lose trust in the world. And I think that's something that probably everybody is experiencing globally right now is a loss of trust. Um, 
And um, so, uh, but this healing process is absolutely necessary to take place. And I think, you know, one of the things that we can do in today's world is to focus on that contradictory feeling we might also have in um, that there's this newfound experience in family relationships, um, a feeling of relief at being able to stay at home, you know, rather than being involved in the day-to-day anxiety-producing work life and um, <laughs> and just recuperation. And if we can remember to focus on on trying to look at where the glass is half full, it can help to get us through that a little bit better. You know, and as far as, you know, the actual loss or the death of a loved one, it's it's I think it's unavoidable. We will be feeling that sense of disconnect at times. We'll feel this sort of shroud. I know that for myself, um, I think one of the losses in my life with uh, the loss of my my uh, husband, my daughter's father, um, several years ago, it was a sudden unexpected death to an overdose. And yeah. for, for months, I felt this shroud. It was almost like there was this huge shroud that just encompassed me, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I felt really unable to break free. I was almost stuck in this place of, of despair, depression, sadness. Um, it was really difficult for me to break out of that. Um, and eventually I did. And I eventually, of course, I realized that it was traumatic for me. It, I had been in this you know, crisis state. And for me, I had kind of entered a trauma response to his death because it was sudden, unexpected. Um, Other relation, like with my my loved one that I lost to cancer about eight years ago, it was a little different. We walked through a seven-month period where I was watching his decline and we were able to embrace every moment. It it the sadness of each event Mm -hmm. was the same. Um, in, in terms of having to go through a grief process, but one was a little different in that it wasn't quite as traumatic for me. Um, I went through a lot of pain and, and painful moments and sad moments and just tearful moments. Um, but the traumatic death of my husband was, was, I think it was more extreme for me. And I think I was less prepared to be able to Bingo. deal with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that you said that, you know, I was less prepared. I think, I think what most people are going to hear right now is, okay, wait a minute. She's telling me to have the, you know, think about the glass half full. How am I going to think about that when all of this is happening and I'm overwhelmed and I have kids and I'm doing all of these things. There's no possible way I can think of the glass is half full. That's a simple fix, you know, and I also appreciate you tying in being able to go through that process. So those months that you, you know, you and your partner, you know, were going through it. And I, I remember, I remember the, you know, being, him being diagnosed. I remember the doctor appointments. I remember the back and forth with, you know, given all of this information. One thing that I admire though, is throughout the entire process, you allowed yourself to feel the emotions. And this is why being able to go ahead and see it as the glass half full is a bit easier because if you allow yourself to feel it in those moments versus what everybody else does, which is brush it under the rug, pretend like it's not happening, distract yourself with 50,000 tasks, you know, that's going to get you nowhere. But if you're actually able to feel it and respond to it in that moment with your partner, with your family, you're going to be you're going to be at a better state than if you ignore it. Can you speak to that? Like the people yeah. that actually ignore it. 
Absolutely. And I thank you, Veronica, for being there for me when I was dealing, you know, about eight years ago with the loss of my partner to cancer. And every day I did come into work and I processed it with people. And I Mm -hmm. was a little bit, you know, I mean, we're never prepared for the actual end of someone's life, but at least I had people to talk with about it along the way. And when it, when the final moment came where um, he made his transition, I was, I was, like I said, a little bit more prepared, but, you know, like, I think one of the things that we have a problem with, especially in this culture, once again, is that idea that at some point I'm going to be getting over a loss or I'm going to get complete with a loss. Mm-hmm. And we use those expressions a lot. And yet I don't know that we always do. I mean, I, th- I mean, I think for the most part, we get to a place where the memories and sadness and also the memories of those sacred ma- moments that we've shared with, with someone um, will, will still be there for us and we'll carry this with us and it'll be less burdensome but you can move to a place of having deep appreciation for having known someone that you lost. So it's kind of more of the state of acceptance where it's in, you know, radical acceptance. We talk about radical acceptance, finding acceptable, finding something acceptable in the unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And although it's unacceptable that I've lost this person, um, I, I find acceptance in that. And, and again, practicing radical acceptance in what's happening in our in our world today with this pandemic, it's finding acceptance in the unacceptable. This is unacceptable that things are happening, that people are dying at such a high rate. It's unacceptable that, you know, people are getting sick and we're having to stay in our homes, that we're losing jobs, losing um, income. Uh, things are happening globally that is really frightening and, again, unpredictable. And at the same time, I think um, finding that place eventually of acceptance, radical acceptance, and that is like, I don't like it. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I, I wish it weren't happening. And I absolutely have no control in this situation. So I have to just reach a place of this is the way it is. This is my new reality. I'm going to move on with my life as it is. And things will change. Yeah, things won't be the same but I'm going to just find and embrace what's happening Absolutely. and embrace that I'm doing everything possible to make this a healthy world for everyone else by staying home, by maybe not being able to go to my job, by maybe having had to let go of a loved one, you know, and, and things like that. But it's, um, it's a long road towards acceptance. Um, you know, I think that with acceptance, you know, I know that with all of my losses um, I've had to, I've had to find the sadness first. I've had to find the lack of forgiveness in myself and other people for leaving me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a long, it's a long road to finding that place where I can actually say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm get it. I embrace what is, I don't like it, but I find acceptance in the way things are today. Bingo. I'm so glad you covered radical acceptance. I was hoping and praying you would do it. And the fact that you did, I was like, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh-huh. Radical acceptance is a coping skill that we we educate, you know, our clients on on how to go ahead and and accept something that we cannot change. We don't have the power to change. So I'm so glad you said that. Um, I have a VIP membership group, and one of the ladies in that group, I let them know that you were going to be on, and they're super excited. Um, so I have some questions from them. Following what you just said about acceptance, 
Louise asked, how do you know if you are on the road to acceptance when those totally sudden bouts of complete sorrow still hit out of nowhere? That's a great question. And, you know, um, I think that as we're on that path towards acceptance, we're going to have bouts with, with, you know, uncertainty and, and return of sadness. And I don't think the sadness is necessarily reflective of the fact that I haven't embraced and found acceptance in what is. I think that even if you look at what's happening in the world today with the pandemic, I think that we can find acceptance and try to, you know, um, embrace the world as it is today and the things that we're going to have to be doing at this point. And at the same time, feel a sense of sadness and loss at times. Um, I don't think it takes away from being on that path towards acceptance. And, um, you know, as long as I'm still continue, if, as long as I'm not trying to um, write a new script that everyone's going to follow, as long as I'm okay with whatever I can deal with moment to moment and be mindfully present in each given moment, then maybe I have reached a better place of acceptance. When I find myself still trying to control my environment, still kind of trying to control all the players in my life, that might be where I'm, you know, moved away from acceptance. And, you know, I might fall off the path. If there is a path, a road towards acceptance, I might step off the path sometimes. I might find myself, again, kind of always going, you know, off the path and walking through the weeds for a while and and then finding myself back on the path again. Um, and that's kind of a natural part, I think, also of the process. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. So there's. I love that you said it. You know, I'm 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 on the path. I might be off the path. I might be now. You know, in the woods, and all of a sudden I'm in the city, and then I go back to the woods. You know, it's not designed to be this linear, perfect line. It's more. It's life. We're human. So things are. We're going to fade in and out. There are going to be times where we're completely overwhelmed. And where we can, we have a handle on things. I love that you gave that example. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And, and there's no timeline. I think all of us want a timeline. Oh, how long is it going to take? How long is it going to take for me to find acceptance in what's going on in the world today? How long is it going to take for me to get over the death of a loved one? How long is it going to take me to get over this divorce? And I see that a lot. And, you know, yet I know from my personal experience that, there is no timeline and it it is each, each situation. um, I have to experience whatever I have to experience, whether it's, you know, overwhelming emotional feelings of sadness, um, the awareness of death, the fact that we don't live forever. um, You know, all these things are, are just a part of my timeline and, and sometimes experiencing irrational guilt. And that those things are things like, People don't like to hear it, you know, like I feel responsible for his death or whatever Mm -hmm. I feel. And yet it's sometimes just a part of my grieving process. Um, You know, it's it's like we have to embrace whatever we're feeling because it's real for us. You know, Um, I know for myself, I felt total irrational guilt at times like, I, you know, I I was somehow responsible for another person's life. And although it was irrational and crazy, Mm -hmm. I had to just embrace that I was feeling that at the time. And then, you know, and then move on. But it it's, um, you know, there's a lot of experience, uh, feelings, emotions, and pain that we experience. And, you know, I, I think a lot of us want to um, move away from pain. And it's like, like if I have a, a breakup of a relationship, and I've had this feeling, you know, uh, been in a relationship and 
was it painfully ended and you know, having the idea if I stay out of relationships and stay away from people that can hurt me, then I can avoid pain. And pain is is not optional in this lifetime. If we are human and we're living this life, we are going to be experiencing pain. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that might be optional is suffering. And so when I find myself in a place of suffering, that's when I, I maybe need to seek some help or do something to help me get through it. And I think in answer to your question too, you know, there's always this opportunity for us to look, especially if you're uncertain, if your grieving process is not normal, um, then it's important to like seek outside help, ask someone that's a professional, get some help, get some, a neutral party to walk through uh, the situation with you because it's, um, it's going to be different for everybody. And some of us are going to be, you know, having that shroud covering us. Like I, I said about myself, that sense of this dark shroud kind of you know, covering me for a long time. And it's, it's our own personal experience and uh, it's unique to each of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, I'm so glad you, you're like covering so much. Every question that I have for you, it's like, I'm crossing it off. I'm crossing off because you're covering all of it, which is so great. This is so great. Um, Another question um, one of our members asked was how do and th- and this one, it's like codependency. This is where I first met you. I'm going to ask you, how do you ensure others who were impacted by the loss are taken care of while you focus on taking care of yourself? And so one thing I noticed from some of our members is they're very, very quick to take care of others and, you know, distract themselves and find some form of validation in it. And very rarely do they take care of themselves. And so how would you answer how would you answer that? You know, if you were, if she was right in front of you, what would you say to her? Well, yeah. And there's, I think it's, it's a wonderful quality to be the type of person that can be caring and, and concerned for others and, you know, feel responsibility for others because there's a lot of people in this world that don't feel any of that at all. And so it's a wonderful quality. I think the key is when we become over responsible for other people and under responsible for ourselves, that's when it becomes dangerous Um, you know, as far as checking in on people and, you know, we need those interdependent relationships, those healthy interdependent relationships where I don't, you know, I will be concerned with your, what, what's going on with you, but I won't take it on and have it be my burden to where I'm weighted down and I can't take care of myself. And that's, you know, that old, um, kind of example that they use a lot is that when you're in a plane and they demonstrate putting your mask on, if, you know, if there's a crisis in a, you know, in an, in the airplane that you'd put yours on first, then put the mask on for your, mm-hmm. your child. Because if we're not taking care of ourselves, we really can't be helpful to somebody else. You know, if I don't take care of me first, I'm not going to be able to help somebody else. So we have to make sure that we're in a good place and that we're okay, you know, before we extend ourselves, but extending ourselves is a good thing. I mean, I think um, having that ability to care for other people is a wonderful quality. And um, it's just when we lose ourselves in the other person, when we lose ourselves in another person's problems and forget about us, it's, we can, it can be a dangerous thing for us because will suddenly feel overwhelmed and feel like I can't take any more, you know. Uh, 
Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I actually recorded and my first episode was girl, put your bra on first, because I think as moms, we're so quick to, you know, attend to everyone. Very rarely do we tend to our own needs. And we do this most of the time without a bra on because it's first thing in the morning when we do this mad dash to our kids. So, right. so yeah. That's, that's a great analogy. Put your bra on first. Put your right. bra on first, girlfriend. Um, right. Next question. When do you know if it's time to start getting out there and meeting people again? So following the breakup of a relationship, you know, there's a healing process that takes place. And I, I think the important thing is to, and, it, and it's going to be different for other, for everyone. For myself, I was, I was, I had always had, had a tendency after a breakup to want to fix pretty quickly, you know, um, uh, after a breakup. And, and that's not what I would recommend to other people. Um, but what I do recommend is that you take the time to heal. And so that you're not just grabbing the first person that comes along with a pulse, you know, <laughs> in, in, in terms of a breakup, when it comes to the, the end of a relationship, because our partner dies, yes, that's, I think it's going to be a little bit of a longer process. I think it's important for us to make sure that we have healed, that we have worked through um, a lot of our emotions and that we're not, because, you know, I, I think throughout our life, anytime we enter a new relationship, we're bringing all of our suitcases full of baggage from past relationships and past life experiences. It's just a normal, natural thing that we do. However, if we're still in that healing process and our wounds haven't entirely healed, it's probably not a good idea to get into something just yet. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have friendships and that's fine. Go have coffee. Uh, and, you know, maybe avoid those relationships that could just take me away from my own personal healing process, because I think that's something that absolutely needs to happen. You know, each of us has, as our, as I said, we have our own timelines, we have our own uh, need to heal. And, and again, if you try to um, induce a new injury over a already, you know, not unhealed wound, it's just going to complicate matters. So for your own sanity and safety, just make sure you're in the right place, that you're in it for the right reasons. You're not just out randomly seeking anybody that comes along because you feel needy, but that you really feel, you know, healed and ready for that new relationship. Yeah. I think also it's important to add that, you know, when, when you do enter a new relationship too soon, now you're taking on stress that you might not be ready for, you know, with you still attempting to recover and even accept what is already what's happened, you taking on a new relationship and being with a new partner. Well, now you have this whole set, you know, of, of, of other things, other things that might come up with regards to, you know, is this person even, am I even, you know, is this even a, a compatible relationship? Is this, is this healthy? You know, and you might not have the strength or the voice to assert yourself and set some healthy boundaries. So I'm, I'm glad you hit on that. Absolutely. And I think too often, um, if it's, if it's just, the, if it's a breakup of a relationship and if it's something that took us by surprise, I think there's, um, a lot of us that might experience distrust, distrust mm -hmm. in the world, distrust in people, distrust in future relationships. It can really complicate future relationships and it can create a lot of trust issues with the next relationship. So jumping into a new relationship when you totally haven't resolved some of your trust issues from the past one, 
it's probably going to, you're probably going to have a lot of defenses and you're not going to be able to be fully available. And I think with any new relationship, you want to be able to be available. You, you know, you want to be fully available to the relationship. You know, there's definitely a period of time where the healing next place uh, needs to take place. Um, However, you know, the element of risk is always going to be present when you're putting your heart out. Um, And it's a risk worth taking. And it's a risk worth taking when you feel like you have been to that place of healing where you're not still, you know, uh, thinking uh, obsessively about the past relationship when you're not still obsess- obsessively worrying about what you've done wrong in the past relationship, when you've truly reached a place of acceptance in what's happened in the breakup. And mm-hmm. um, that's a good, I think, maybe um, a good measure to take is, have I really reached acceptance in the past relationship? Am I like, okay, with the way things are? And, and if I am, then maybe I'm ready for the next one. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you say to someone who has suffered a loss through death? You know, I, I know a lot of people, I remember when my dad had passed away, so many people had come up to me and said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for your loss. And I remember some of my friends who had lost, you know, their, their parents, that was one thing that they were completely irritated by whenever somebody said, dude, I'm sorry. And it's like, well, what are you sorry for? And then when it was said to me, it was like, oh, okay. Now I understand. It wasn't necessarily irritated. It just kind of threw me off. So what should people say or not say to those who have lost a loved one? Oh, that is such a, um, (laughs) that's really good because again, it kind of goes back to our culture being so uh, ill-prepared to, speak with anybody about a loss. I think one of the things that we do, one of the big mistakes we, we make um, is, and this I can relate to my own personal experiences, oh, you shouldn't feel that way or don't, mm-hmm. you know, or don't, you know, don't beat yourself up about that. You know, when I'm going through the bargaining stage of my own loss, I'm saying things like, maybe if I would have just done this, things would have turned out differently. Or maybe I should have stayed home more, but, you know, because I didn't realize he was going to die so soon and all these things. Um, but that's kind of, you know, to just, to just validate wherever somebody's at, that's one of the best things you can do as a friend, as a family member, as a, you know, um, a support for somebody is to say, wow, I get it. You're feeling a lot of pain right now. Or, wow, I get it. You're feeling a lot of guilt about everything. Even though I don't agree with you about your area of guilt, I understand that that's where you're at right now, and I get it. Um, So just to be able to validate someone for where they're at is important. We try to talk people out of what their experience is because we're so uncomfortable with death. Mm -hmm. We're so uncomfortable with loss. Some of the crazy things that people say to each other are like, oh, you'll get over it soon. Or, you know, it's it's going to take about another month or so and then you'll be OK. Or, um, you know, uh, just all these these things that yeah, they're better are, off, either in a better oh, place. Right. Exactly. They're in a better place now. Um, you're really better off with the breakup of that relationship. He's, you know, or yeah, that person's in a great place. They're not suffering. I mean, all these things are maybe true, but what people really want is I think just validation for what their current experience is. And validation, as you know, Veronica, means just saying, I get it. This is this is your experience. I, you know, I've, you know, I validate that this is your experience right now. 
you know, if there's anything I can do, you know, let me know. And I get it that you're really sad right now, or you're, you're got some real difficult feelings that you're dealing with right now. It's the best thing we can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So final two questions that I ask every guest, what are you personally doing right now to live the life you want to live? Wow. That's quite a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) for one thing I'm retiring and there was, for me, that was a huge loss a loss of a lifetime of working. And Mm -hmm. suddenly I used to kind of see it as I was standing at the edge of a cliff that I was going to be falling off of. And I realized (laughs) I have to change that visual. Um, (laughs) So now I kind of see it as, as, um, you know, in the very near future, I am going to be entering this big, huge meadow of all these wonderful new options for my life, you know, with retiring of my main job at the hospital. And I'm going to be entering this new world of just doing private practice, you know, doing different things that I, I want to be doing, finishing my book and all. And so I'm seeing it as just a, a new experience and a new and wonderful experience. And that's one way that I think I'm finding in, you know, acceptance in, in my current state of life. And, um, you know, the, the, just the whole idea of being able to plan for, you know, whenever this pandemic is over, you mm-hmm. know, to, the travel I want to do and all that. Um, and, uh, just embracing the moments and really embracing my relationships. My my current relationships are so important. My daughter, you know, my uh, my husband. He was actually my first husband when I was mm-hmm. eighteen, and we're back together again. So, spending those those sacred moments that we get to spend together are so important. And enjoying it and appreciating each moment is is so important. I, I preach that to other people, but for me. I need to also do that myself. I need to find that time where I can just be rather than be doing. So those are my goals. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm going to be in that. I'm going to be a part of that retirement ceremony. I got to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It might be a virtual ceremony. Hey, I'll take it. I will take it. I will host it if I have to. (laughs) And when you write that book, you got to be back on this show. (laughs) Oh, I will. I will definitely do that. (laughs) All right. Last question. What advice would you give to the mom who feels stressed and disconnected? And imagine her again, just standing right in front of you. What, what advice would you give to her? The mom who feels stressed and disconnected because Mm -hmm. of what's going on today or just stressed and disconnected overall, wherever you want to take it, Marsha, wherever you want to take it. Okay. I think that, that, um, that disconnect that sometimes we feel because of high levels of stress. And and this is true for trauma as well. There is um, a component of disconnect that we start to engage in. And it's, it's our own way of protecting ourselves at times. It's like, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm just going to disconnect and I'm going to disconnect from everything and everybody because it's overwhelming to be in contact with anybody. Um, so although that is um, a part of, uh, you know, resolving some of the, um, the issues that are associated with really high stress levels or even traumatic experiences. Um, I need to somehow find my way back. So if I need to slow down my life, if I need to look around and just take time to smell the roses, take time to 
look at, I mean, there's actually poppies on the hills today. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to take some time, pull over on the side of the road, just look at these beautiful orange flowers and, and just take some time for self. It is so important that we do that. We, we often have this baseball bat that we pound ourselves with if we're not busy enough, if we're not productive enough, if we're not doing enough, um, it can be really tough. And, and so we just need to remember to take time for us. If I need to take a mini meditation in my own bathroom, because the kids are running around, they're all home from school. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed. Um, I need to maybe just take some time for me because otherwise, again, I'm not going to be able to be there for the kids. I'm not going to be able to be there for other people. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, taking, taking time for me is real important. Taking time. I, almost hate the expression to smell the roses, but you know, it's really true. taking time to just look at nature, you know, it's like there's evidence of, you know, whatever your spiritual beliefs are, there's evidence of God or presence of the universe's power or whatever you way you want to look at it. There's uh, or a higher powers presence in, in all nature, all situations. Mm -hmm. And if we take the time to slow ourselves down long enough we're going to be able to see that rather than looking at the negativity of all the situations that surround us. So for sure, taking the time and, and appreciating everything that we do have. Absolutely. Beautifully said. I agree a hundred percent. So how can we find you for those that are in California and the Marietta area, Temecula area? How can we find you? Well, uh, let's see. I think, I think I'm, listed in Google. And uh, <laughs> I think my private practice is, is Googleable, but I actually have a practice in Marietta. Um, you can uh, email me at marcia.matthews1 at verizon.net um, or contact me through uh, looking for my private practice information. And I welcome anybody. I'm doing a virtual sessions now with my private practice and I welcome anybody that is interested in receiving any type of help. I'm going to tell you right now, ladies, she is absolutely amazing. Amazing. She trained me. She trained me to be the therapist that I am today. And I'm so very thankful and blessed that not only was she my supervisor, not only was she my boss, she's also a very dear friend of mine and absolutely love and adore her. So thank you so much, Marsha, for coming on. Thank you, Veronica. You are your own superstar and you know that. And you have <laughs> done things that are just amazing to me. So yeah, thank you for being who you are. Absolutely. All right, ladies. See you later. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now and rate and review. Thank you, guys. Many women lose their own identity in the shadow of being a mom and a wife. We are a community of women who support each other. We leave perfectionism behind to become empowered and unapologetic. I know you're ready for the next steps. If you want to become empowered and unapologetic, get my free course, Unapologetically Me, over at empoweredandunapologetic.com forward slash course. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. This is given with the understanding that neither the host, practice of the practice, 
or the guest are providing legal, mental health, or other professional information. If you need a professional, you should find one. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 
drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.